back, everybody, to the triumphant return of the This Believed Land is Your Land podcast, a, uh, a podcast whose name I am uh, looking forward to not having to stumble through 500 more times. Uh, <laughs> Joined today, as I always am, is uh, my co-host, Mike Rutka and John Colosimo. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, Josh. I'm, uh, I'm, I got to admit, though, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss having you stumble through that stuff. <laughs> we have to pick a, a new podcast name that's equally as awful and embarrassing to try and get through. No. <laughs> I'm really I'm, I'm gonna miss John glaring at me every time I try and go through it like why are you too stupid to figure out how to say this in this <laughs> in my in, in my defense the podcast name came from crowdsourcing we put it out to you all 70 of you listeners and this was the best thing you could come up with so next time we're gonna pick ourselves we're not gonna give you the opportunity um, yeah so much for the free market <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem of capitalism it comes up a shitty idea <laughs> <laughs> We are all in very good spirits today. Obviously, uh, draft starting tomorrow. This is this has got to be the happiest and least anxious the three of us have ever been going into a draft. It just feels fun this year. Like I listened to the Around the NFL podcast a couple times this week. I listened. I, I read the Twitter feeds of a couple, especially uh, AFC uh, teams. I, I looked over the Chiefs feed after they uh, they gave up a first for Frank Clark, and it is nothing but misery and anxiety. And and, and I'm just I am as calm as a house cat i am chill i love that i can just go into this draft and enjoy what everybody's doing because i don't care the browns are gonna be good no matter what unless something wild happens or baker gets hit by a bus tomorrow the browns are gonna be good and i don't really care so i, I get to just enjoy a draft how are you guys feeling with the draft tomorrow i agree i, I do want to say like one thing just because you brought it up somebody had an awesome tweet on that which was there's an amazing juxtaposition over on kc where they're you know, among the most progressive teams in the entire league on offense. And they have done something that was supposed to be extinct, which is, you know, do this flush to switch, you know, between the mythical, uh, you know, odd and even front, which is not supposed to be a thing anymore. So it's like an amazing kind of, you know, <clears throat> one side of the, the ball being in a completely different spot. Yeah. Tony Grossi's head is exploding somewhere trying to figure out how they did that. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been it's been crazy. It's um, I mean, kind of watching what Casey's been going through and, and thinking, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily that way when Dorsey was there. Dorsey left. Dorsey's with us. And to your point, the juxtaposition, what they're going through now, uh, just with this Tyree Kill stuff too. I mean, all those distractions that we never really had, uh, or we don't have now, and we had before, we don't have anymore. So it's 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 great, and it's exciting that we got our quarterback, and. I'm looking forward to some fireworks this uh, this next couple, two or three days, man. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, you're looking for. You think that there's going to be some crazy stuff that happens over the next couple of days? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying it, just like a lot of people have been saying it, but I truly feel that, that Dorsey is going to be aggressive and that he kind of sees this two-year window as, a, as an opportunity, and I think he's going to try to cash in on it. I, I don't know how crazy he's going to go, but, you know, we've, we've heard rumors of him putting 2020 first and second round picks on the block along with a couple different players to kind of secure whether it's a, a, a trade for a player or, you know, just to move up for a player. I'm not really sure, but I expect, uh, I expect us to do something out of the ordinary and not to kind of walk away with the picks that we have. Yeah, that's probably a pretty safe take. I saw Breer yesterday floating the concept of the Browns uh, putting a couple uh, veteran players on the block, somebody like a Joe Schobert. And I, I thought the responses that I was seeing from that of the, 
the, the, you know, John Dorsey has kept everything incredibly close to the vest all along. Like nobody's really telegraphed much of anything that's going on outside of maybe the OBJ stuff. And that suddenly of all the people in the NFL universe that would have the scoop on a big trade or something massive happening, that it would be Albert Breer. Um, <laughs> that was a, a funny way to describe that. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually haven't uh, checked in much on the draft this week. Part of that is that um, it's just been, you know, work has been crazy. And uh, I, was, uh, I, I was finally getting through a, a good night's sleep last night. And it was, you know, butt crack of dawn. I'm, I'm slipping my eyes open. And I find my wife hovering above me with like fire burn in her eyes. And I'm just like, what, what, what is it that I ruined? What is, what is on fire? What is going on? Apparently, um, while we were all sleeping, the cat went and crawled into her purse and took a shit in it. <laughs> last night. And so that's the, that's the noise that I was woken up to. So, um, and, then, and that's, that's prescriptive of the kind of day it's been. And that's why. Um, I was admiring not just the glass of bourbon that I have in front of me, but the, the whole bottle that's right next to it. So um, sometimes, uh, sometimes you get the goat, sometimes the goat gets you. I think that's how the slogan goes. But um, beautiful, yeah. So, so if you guys thought you had a good, a bad day today, um, try to put yourself in either the person situation or my wife's situation, <laughs> or, or mine to wake up for it with, with that kind of news. Um, I mean, who can predict that kind of thing is happening? And um, Speaking of predictions, um, we, uh, we, we watched John today take a couple of victory laps uh, over how he saw this offseason playing out. I got to say, um, I didn't think that things would uh, progress as rapidly as they did. The Browns kind of progressed from a team that was slowly on the rebuild and was making the right moves and was climbing that ladder to, to completely at the top of that ladder um, with, with all the expectations that come from it. But, John, you, you kind of predicted that. You kind of saw that playing out that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted them to do it. You know, I saw Baker on that deal and how good he was and how much cap space. So I definitely wanted them to spend that money. Um, did they spend it all exactly how I wanted to? Not entirely, but, you know, they did do what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, then they did the over-the-top trade to get obj which uh you know but they got sheldon richardson that was uh you know a guy i mentioned way early on uh as mike. A, so did mike mike was big on sheldon richardson. oh yeah for a long time mm -hmm. uh you know but we went and got that defensive tackle on the veteran market instead of you know using a draft pick to try and and fill that that was that was something i was big on uh, and they really did. They, they filled it up. In fact, we're over the cap just on contracts. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they have overfilled the cup for, for the time being. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that uh, they saw things uh, similar to what I did, I guess. And, and let's start the window now. So I, I think it is. I think they, they've given us a great chance to hopefully fill out some of the roster here in the draft this weekend. And we legitimately can talk about a playoff run. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree. I think we've talked about it on the podcast. A number of people pointed out, so it's not like we're the only ones. But, you know, this, the, the way the team is situated now puts us in a position where we don't have to draft starters right away. We can draft guys to develop and or sit behind the starters. And, you know, it, we're, we're just in a, we're in a completely different position than we've ever been in. And I, I think that's kind of why I anticipate us still being even more aggressive yet. I mean, if we want to get wild and throw predictions out later, we can about players that we might, you know, we might try to get or things we might try to do. But, you know, to your point, that, that window is now. It's, it's awesome. Playoffs, yeah, I mean, baby. 
So, so do you guys see that um, that aggressiveness playing out in terms of taking uh, uh, going after guys in the draft that are going to be home run or bust type players, like the boomer bust type talents, or do you see that as they're going to package up some of these picks and try and move up into the higher rounds where there's a higher likelihood of success, um, knowing that there aren't as many spots to, to fit a bunch of uh, rookies and that the rookies aren't going to play like they used to. So if I could answer this first, like I personally am very much against the idea of packaging picks to draft another rookie. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's a good idea for basically any position except for a quarterback. Um, and uh, I, I kind of take issue with the idea that we can't bring eight rookies home. You know, we need to start getting cheap labor on this team. You know, the, the other part of loading up and being over the cap currently um, is that we've got to be drafting guys now that are going to take the place of some of these high-priced guys that we acquired this year. You know, yeah. we're not talking about, you know, Sheldon Richardson being on this team for five years. You know, we, we're not talking about, you know, we – I talked about this before, but almost the entire secondary needs to be turned over. I'm not interested in giving, uh, you know, uh, Randall a $12 million a year deal for four years. You know, I, I think we need to be getting the cheap labor in here because you're going to have your misses, you know, Chad Thomas. <clears throat> but, you know, so I, I think we need to take our shots. You know, if, if, if you want to make a big splash, there's, there's basically one that I can be talked into, and that would be making a move uh, to acquire Patrick Peterson. Like, that is something I can get on board with, uh, even though that really stretches us. But that's something I think that really moves the needle. You know, something that doesn't move the needle is trading two, uh, like our second, our third, and something else to move up into the first to take freaking Jeffrey Simmons. Okay, who's hurt and is not going to be contributing to uh, what we're doing this year very much. So, you know, I, that's just what I want to move away from. I don't want to see us combining draft picks to get a higher draft pick. That's not what I'm about. So, yeah, know. no, I think that's that's a great strategy, John. I I, I can't argue with any of that. Um, I I think that Dorsey could do that though, even though it would go against. I agree. What your philosophy <laughs> is, but. I've also pointed this out just yesterday, I think. I mean, he, he seems to have a propensity to go and, and package stuff to get a player. So your Patrick Peterson, you know, theory, maybe even Jalen Ramsey, something like that. Um, Darren Lee, was that, that the dude's name from, from the Jets? I mean, there's, there's a number of guys that we could package picks to go get surefire guys that we know are going to be able to, to help us get past that hump for the, the window that we're in right now. I think that's the mode that we're in is – you know, get guys that can do it now. But the, the trade-off to your point, John, is then, you know, we're, we're investing heavily in the cap versus getting cheap labor. Yeah. And uh, the, if you want a good example of the teams that do exactly what John's describing, you, know, you can look around the AFC North. You can look at what Baltimore did with pass rushers. Um, uh, Zadarius, Paul Kruger, for years, those dudes stacked talent in their front seven and let them develop slowly. And that, that was the Steeler way for years that they always seem to have another linebacker ready to step up because they weren't forcing these guys into playing immediately. They, they up there. And, and this is just my view of it. They up their chances of success by letting these guys come up to speed slowly, be comfortable in the playbook and be comfortable in the supporting cast around them. There wasn't a bunch of kids trying to learn on the fly. So um, there well, yeah. was a good example of that happening. And to that, to that end, like, uh, you know, one of the paths to us getting space is to stop paying for depth. 
You know, we've got multiple veterans that we're paying to be depth players right now. You know, we don't need to be paying TJ Carey eight freaking million dollars a year. We don't need to be paying Chris Smith and you know, I like a couple Chris of, Smith. Why am I the only person that likes Chris Smith? He's fine, but we we shouldn't be paying you know four or five million dollars for backup defensive linemen. Like those are the kind of guys we need to be filling with rookies that we're developing and and using. You know, in, in my opinion, you know that's that's, that's I think the the uh, the best path right now for us freeing up cap space is, you know, is to replace all of our depth with quality rookies or guys that we're going to sort through. Ultimately some guys won't make it, but I, I think we need to stop paying for depth. That's fair. That's fair. Yep. I think that's so, a good, a good, uh, a good pointer as to why we should also focus a lot on the defense this draft. I mean, it's, yep. it's just one of those positions with those contracts are on the defensive side. I know there's a lot of people out there that, want to focus on the defense because it's, it's, you know, deep in a number of positions. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, and, and, I'll, and the offensive positions and where, what they're going to be for the next four or five years are fixed with young players. And to John's point, the defensive side of the house has a lot of Sheldon Richardson's and Morgan Burnett's and uh, TJ Carey's that are going to need to be swapped out. So, so I hear you on that. I, I truly do. I, I guess that's why I kind of look at it as an opportunity in this draft to make sure that you're um, you're filling the the ranks with guys who are going to stick because those guys aren't going to get like those sixth and seventh round picks aren't going to get a chance to show you something they're gonna they're gonna be camp bodies for the most part um, so I'd rather get a couple guys on, a couple extra guys on day two than um, you know throw a bunch of day three picks at the wall and see if some of them can stick and also the Browns kind of brought in some guys um, that were clearly meant to be special teams players. That, that were clearly brought onto the team exclusively to play special teams. And I like that. I like guys who are special teamers, um, not roster fringe guys who are using special teams as an opportunity to stick. Because I think that the latter has a chance to screw up a lot more than the former because they overextend. That's just my two cents on it. No, we felt a lot of special teams pain these last couple of years. Yeah. And I think yep. that, that was, I think it was a byproduct of continuously rebuilding and having a bunch of guys that are really trying to stick on the roster the fact they brought in the, um, the, the safety, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but he came in immediately after the uh, Kindred trade. Yeah, from KC. Yeah, the KC Murray. Yep. Um, the fact yep. that they brought in Murray and they brought in Giuseppe and, and they're looking at guys like that that are clearly brought in here to contribute on special teams that are not meant to be um, starters is, is a good sign. It's a, it, it shows you where you're at with the rebuild. Um, and with all that said, do you think that – it's more likely that Dorsey's going to move up, that, that he's going to add picks uh, either in the first round or second or third round, or, or, or less likely, uh, or, or even that he's more likely to move down. I would, be more, I would be much more receptive to the idea of trying to get another day two pick late. Now, are you um, not receptive, but likelihood? Do you, what do you uh, think? I don't know. Like, there, there's, there's definitely this part of me that fears that Dorsey is going to do something stupid and – extremely egotistical like packaging multiple day two picks to move up into the first round for some guy that uh he really thinks is going to give him a much better shot and won't he's gonna uh, full, yeah. go full dan snyder on this uh, I, I don't th i think we're a little more informed than uh than whoa, old whoa, danny whoa, boy whoa. <laughs> if John calling him dan snyder we are never gonna be welcome in berea ever again <laughs> We can make fun of his cargo pants or the, the fact that he wears the same sweatshirt every single day of the week to work or like his bubblegum chewing. And I think that would fly better than comparing anybody to Dan Snyder. I think a lot of people just don't 
recognize like how much ego goes into the idea of trading multiple picks to hop into the late first round for a non quarterback. I get that the numbers just bear that out. That's, that's a stupid idea. It's dumb. You know, I, I really just don't like, there's all these arguments like people will argue to the teeth with me on Twitter about how, Oh, well, if you got this guy in your tier and he, and he drops further than you think, then, you know, then that's a good value. It's not. Okay. It's not actually, it's not very subjective. Okay. It's, it's a bad friggin' idea. It doesn't work out in the long run. It's yeah. a poor use of your draft resources. So you know, it's hard for me to, to get that through because it's, you know, it's not very nice to say that to people, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a flip side to that for, for, you know, I agree with what you're saying at, at the end there. John, but there's a flip side to that on the front end about Dorsey is there's a couple breadcrumbs that give me hope that trading back into the first round won't be what we do. I mean, there was the report maybe a, a month ago that they only had 15 guys pegged as first rounders, right? So yeah. why, why trade into the back of the first round? Makes no sense. And my, my assumption is that Depot is on, is on board with that too. And even though there's going to be some ego involved, Depot is going to help keep the ship grounded, right? And he's going to understand the things, the, the equations from that value standpoint to what you just spoke. And I'm hoping that the combination and the collaboration that I, that I really see happening, I don't, I don't feel a lot of isolation inside of Berea anymore. I feel it's a very collaborative environment. So I'm hoping that those two things steer us away from making a dumb decision to trade back into it for the first and possibly lead us to look into trading back into the second or the third to acquire guys that can can be long term starters that may need a little bit of ramp up time, uh, but you know won't be immediate starters. So that's kind of the flip side that I see, and I, I'm hoping that plays out over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a couple positions, and they're positions, um, not even specific players. There are a couple positions that I can talk myself into as being move up in second round or move into move back in the bottom of the first four. I'm generally with John in that like you trust your board. You, you, you take the best player available. You have a history of being able to grab guys in later, later rounds, if you're John Dorsey, that go on to be productive NFL starters, even if they're kind of pieces of crap. Um, so, so stick to that and do that. But um, for me, I would really, really like to see the Browns get a good offensive tackle because I think that they need to address both of the bookends on that offensive line. And I would love to see them in one of those positions go after a cornerback or a safety. I think that those are the two places – where I see um, a little bit I, – I, I can get over the idea of the Browns uh, giving up some value to, to get those spots because those are the places that I think the Browns should address early and often if they can. The thing is, yeah. I feel like this draft, like especially on D2, really sets us up to get very good prospects yeah. at the spots that we're at, at the positions we're seeking. Yep, I agree. And, and to, jo- to Josh's point – I forget who who shared this information recently, but the the, the expectation for the 2020 draft on an offensive tackle, offensive line side is very thin versus this year. I think it was uh, the dude from the Senior Bowl, Nagy, right? I think he said that going through the prospect class already for 2020 Senior Bowl, in just looking at the overall crop, there's not a lot of offensive talent on the line. So this, as opposed to this year's draft, which is stacked, so. I've been a big proponent of attacking uh, offensive tackle in the second round or third round 
and, and walking away with uh, a safety or, or defensive back as well. So some combination of, of that uh, approach in the first and uh, the second and third round is what I'd like to see as well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Are there, is there a position group that you'd be shocked if the Browns went after on day one or day two? Wide receiver? Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's a couple of guys where, you know, I mean, it's uh, – what, what would you call it? It's, it's a little decadent. <laughs> but, I get, you know, there's a couple of guys, like, uh, that they do give me pause when you're passing on them. Um, you know, I, I still am DB City as far as what, what I'm looking for on day two, but uh, – and an offensive tackle if a guy like Kajust is there. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit that when I'm going through a mock draft and I see J-Jaw or Hakeem Butler there at 49, there's a part of me that is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what, talk you, into it. you know what, I've never, I've never verbalized this until now, but I'll go on the record and I, I hell, I could be so far off, it's not going to be funny, but I've I've often wondered if Callaway is part of a, a package deal this weekend to try to to, to do some crazy stuff because of where we're at with OBJ and potentially if I mean we've got OBJ we've got Landry we've got Higgins I mean I, I don't know he he may be one of those guys on the fringe it doesn't really make sense on the face value but I've been wondering about that in the back of my mind because what if we do go and get a Hakeem you know Hakeem Butler at forty nine then then what happens with Callaway right I mean it's one of those things that once the second round plays out, I was just kind of mulling over those possibilities. No, it's interesting that. because he's cheap and, you know, he's now a little bit redundant in the position he plays and you can cash in for a higher value for, for sure than what you paid last year. So it makes sense, uh, you know, as a, as a, just a, you know, whiteboard idea, Mike. Counterpoint. If Odell Beckham misses any time, which he has, their only guy who can replicate that level of upside on the roster is Callaway. The only guy who's, who's capable of being a surefire game breaker on the roster is Callaway. Higgins and Landry are actually very similar in a lot of ways in the kind of role that they're going to have. Um, and I, I just don't see it with like a Derek Willies or a Jalen Strong. Like Callaway is your backup at upside and he's cheap and he's on – uh, you know, he's kind of on thin ice already, but like he's cheap and he's going to be around for a bit. And, and for me, I, 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 it would have to be a really, really sexy package for me to include him in it. Counter counterpoint. <laughs> um, you can't triple gone, <laughs> I, uh, you know, having gone through the Josh Gordon experience, uh. um, I like the idea of, uh, you know, cashing in quickly on guys with red flags. Um, and I know that Callaway doesn't have the extensive pass that um, that Gordon has. I, you know, I don't think, you know, obviously we found a lot about his situation later on just how deep Gordon was in it. But um, I do like the idea of offloading guys like that for, you know, double the value that we paid for them, you know, in that situation, especially if, like we said, the the object of that is to go grab a, you know, a uh, exceptional wide receiver that's available there. Fair. I, I, I think that uh, we all breathed uh, an enormous sigh of relief today watching the Patriots pick up the uh, – well, I, I think it was the, the tender or the – they locked in Gordon's contract for the year, not even knowing if he's going to play. And it just 
it warmed my cockles. It made me feel really good to know that, like, I don't have to deal with that for a year. It's been a long – it was kind of like the LeBron playoff run where it's like, this is great, and it's amazing when it works, but it's emotionally draining, and I want to do it again this year. Um, and I feel the same way. Like, I'm glad I don't have to do it this year. So, I agree. Amen. <laughs> So, so we're going we're gonna to get back to, to talking about um, some of the things in the draft, and we are going to uh, talk about some NFL happenings uh, after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. I always feel a little bit like a, like a sex line operator as I'm counting down the numbers to, to, to the, the show <laughs> resuming again. Um, not, not natural feeling. So um, we, we had just talked about – what we would be, what we kind of expect to see in the early rounds, um, and we talked a little bit about what we don't expect to see in uh, in, in Dorsey's second full draft of the team. Um, I feel like we are kind of queued up and ready for a lot of crazy shit to happen around the league, though. Um, I, I, and maybe it's just, um, maybe I'm just so fixated on, on what we're going to do about quarterback every year that I'm not paying attention to it, but it just seems like a lot of really wild stuff, a lot of wild rumors, a lot of uh, draft picks uh, from last year getting jettisoned early. A lot of uh, teams that have quarterbacks looking at quarterbacks. I've heard a lot of rumors about tomorrow and about Friday. Um, are you? Are you? Does it? Does it feel normal to you guys? Does it seem like this is a normal lead up to a draft as far as some of the things that are floating around the rumor sphere? Well, I, I would think that just because most of them are surrounding quarterbacks, that it's not. T- totally abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the special case is Arizona. You know, we just haven't seen this exact scenario play out since I've been following the draft where you have a team that spent uh, multiple resources in the first round, you know, to go draft a highly thought of prospect. Mm-hmm. And then you have a new coach come in uh, and now they're going to draft a brand new quarterback number one, one year later uh, it's pretty wild. I thought it, you know, it, it has a, some aspects that are kind of similar to uh, the McDaniels start mm-hmm. over in Denver. Only, you know, obviously they're in a much better spot than McDaniels was where, you know, he's not going to, uh, you know, he's in a position to take whatever quarterback he wants in this draft and McDaniels wasn't. But uh, other than that, there are some very similar things. Yeah, it's, it's weird to me that, the, the, the idea as a Browns fan that we kind of got used to was that you didn't go get the quarterback the first year because the team was such a dumpster fire that that quarterback wasn't going to be able to succeed on your shit team and that you should wait till next year. Like, we never had a, a coach immediately jettison the, court, the quarterback from last year and draft a quarterback first and just be like, okay, I'm calling my shot. This is my guy. I'm taking my guy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win with him. Um, I, I, and, and maybe that's why the, the whole Rosen saga seems really unusual. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's, uh, I, can't, I can't remember anything like it either. And I, I, you've got to wonder how much of it is, is, is real and how much of it isn't. I mean, I think that part of it is, is typical lead up to the draft kind of smoke and mirrors thing. But there's been a lot of talk about, about this. And to give up on Rosen so quickly is a head scratcher. I, I don't get it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. Let's just say that, but it, it's, it doesn't, it, it's very confusing to me how you're going to, you're going to come in and, and uh, kind of just dump the kid off without even really giving him a spin. Yeah. I, I mean, my feelings about Josh Rosen have been well-documented on the show um, and well-documented over on dogs by nature. I, I, I love Josh Rosen. I thought that he was 
going to be the best out of this quarterback crop. I'm clearly wrong about that. Don't flame me on Twitter. I've said my mea, mea culpas. Um, but I do still think that he's got a lot of talent, and I think that he just needs to get in the right situation. Um, but everybody in the league was like the worst kept secret around that, that, that uh, Cliff wasn't going to be married to the idea of keeping him around. I, I think that there is a route to that happening this season. And then they would uh, look at a guy like Tua next year, um, which to all, to, to, to everything that we've seen uh, uh, suggests that next year's quarterback class will be a little bit deeper than this year's. Um, but I don't know, man, it's just, it's really wild to see somebody get out that early. Uh, I do at this point kind of hope that he goes to a functional sane organization that has had success with their current QB just so that you can up his chances of being successful, just so that there's a, a, a greater chance that I wasn't completely wrong about Josh Rosen. So I'd like to see him go to a New Orleans or a Washington or, you know, a New England, as much as it would pain me to have New England have another quality quarterback. Like I'd like to see him go somewhere where he's going to get good coaching. Um, I'm not sure that that's likely though at this point. I think that the most likely scenario is going to be that he goes to a team that needs to sell tickets, that needs to put a more exciting quarterback on the field in order to keep people in their seats. So you can guess what those teams are. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, personally, uh, when they started talking about this, I had the two most likely teams of making this deal as the Chargers and the Patriots. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it would be a really good move for either one of those teams at this point to do that. Um, I would expect the Patriots to do it because it just makes so much sense. I, I think that they were on the verge of genesising uh, Tom Brady for <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo just a couple <laughs> years ago. I think that was a lot closer than people think. I, I do buy into the reports that the owner had to step in and, and get rid of <laughs> Garoppolo yeah. because, you know, uh, because he was about to get Bernie Cozard. We'll see how that, how that works out. You know, uh, the problem is, is that Arizona's done such a poor job of disguising it that they've, you know, submarined themselves on, on its trade value. I agree. I agree. I think that um, they could have played this a lot of different ways. It could have kept us a lot closer to the vest. But um, at this point, I would be floored if they did not take Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. Um, and I would be floored if Josh Rosen was still on the team at the end of this draft. Just because I don't think you can keep two guys in back-to-back -back drafts on the same team without sowing discontent and discord. And the second one of them struggles. And rookie quarterbacks struggle. Despite what you may have seen last year, what you think is true for rookies now, we saw something that nobody had had before. Like, rookies struggle, and people will want to go back to Josh Rosen if they keep him around. It's, uh, it's, it'd be an interesting move to make, but a team I can also see sniffing around Rosen just because of the age of their quarterback is the Steelers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, I know Big Ben just signed that ludicrous, which, by the way, if you saw my Twitter account, I, I don't think I've stopped laughing um, <laughs> yet. I've been laughing the entire morning for about seven hours since I saw that. I mean, to pay the guy $63 million, I think, over two years, is, and they only have $55 million of cap space next year and $5 million this year. Anyways, it's, it's, uh, I, I've got to think that potentially they're interested in a cheap quarterback, right? At a, at a, at a, at a, that they can bring in, and if, if Ben goes down injured, then they can you know put him in there. But uh, to, to me, I I don't want them to take him because I want to see and enjoy the uh, just the absolute dumpster fire that is yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Same thing right for now. the Bengals. Same thing for the yeah. Bengals. Yeah. I don't want him in the North. Yeah. yeah, I don't want him in the North either. I do love that um, the whole thing with Big Ben is playing out exactly 
um, while they are going to need to be rebuilding the roster so that as they bring in a new bridge quarterback or bring in a new young quarterback, they have the support structures in place. And now they're not going to be able to pay for any of that. So not only do you have an offseason in which players on the team are complaining about Ben and his attitude and the way that he treats his teammates and blah, 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 like thinly veiled jabs at him being a racist, like all this terrible stuff. And then they responded to that by giving him a ton of money <laughs> and by removing their ability to bring in young, like reasonably priced veteran free agents. So, so they're going to rely on uh, Kevin to draft them some new Kevin Colbert, Colbert to draft uh, some new, new, new players. And his last couple drafts have not been great. Like TJ Watt was a, an amazing find at the end of the first round. Awesome yeah. And um, uh, the, the Juju Smith, like again, incredible value for where he was picked. But the rest of those drafts have not been great. And you're, you're now completely reliant on that young, affordable talent in order to fill out your roster. So I'm very you can't, you, you can't play wide receivers at cornerback, though. So as, as great as they are at drafting wide receivers, and they are great at that, I'm not, uh, I'm not you can't play them at corner. I'm not convinced that there is a cornerback that is going to fit in that system. Like, they've had all types and, and flavors and talents at quarter, cornerback, and either – it's a weak spot for the Steelers organization or Tomlin just sucks at developing them. But the, at this point it is endemic of the problem that they have there. You guys are forgetting the, the, the past history of the Steelers though. They Cordell Stewart. I mean, they're the pioneers of the wide receiver that can play quarterback. They can do that. <laughs> they can figure out a way. I'm telling you. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys watching, watching that team combust and like, we're going to make fun of them. They're still going to probably win 10 games this year, 11 games this year and just drive us all nuts. But, um, they probably will. They probably will. But probably. if they if they have some injury problems and they stumble into this like six and ten season, we are going to see fireworks. Yeah. Uh, of what what happens dysfunctionally when you are a losing team? You know, I think we. You know, they're already. It's already really bad if you are a good team and things like. Uh, you know what happened this off season are coming out about your team. Mm-hmm. Yep. You add a six win season to that, mm-hmm. and you know you're just adding TNT onto a campfire. All right, it's uh, it will explode. So yeah. and, and I'll Brown, be I'll be here waiting for it. And Browns fans are ready. Browns fans oh, have, yeah. been pr- have been talking shit since before last season ended. They've been acting like they were Super Bowl contenders last season before OBJ, before Sheldon Richardson, before Olivier Vernon, before whoever we pick up in this draft, like Browns, Browns fans are already on it. So let yep. the Steelers win six games. Let the Steelers struggle out of the gate and let the Browns build some momentum. Woo. Yeah, man. We've, we we've put- been like that. We've been like that, that beaten dog that, you know, for a while there, we had a little, we had a little fight left in us. Like when it came to the Steelers, we're like, yeah, screw you guys. Yeah. But after like 15 years of being just, do- it's like, okay, you know, we're just not, <laughs> I, I can't even bring myself to say anything. Like yeah. the last, 10 years I haven't said anything because it's like we're not going to beat the Steelers they're going to kick our ass like every single time so we we're, we're ready we're ready just to I don't even know what to to pull up to pull off the, the full reek and come back on <laughs> destroy our captors let's go yes yes the redemption arc is coming we literally so Hugh Jackson cut our balls off figuratively <laughs> and now we're ready for the redemption arc we're coming we're coming AFC North it's gonna be my my screensaver since draft day has been a picture of Baker Mayfield planting a flag in the middle of Steelers uh, stadium. So, you know, I'm ready for that moment now. Do we, do we play them on a Thursday night? Yes. 
is that in Pittsburgh? Uh, I think that one's at home. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I'm reminded of that Brian Hoyer Bengals game that brought the Browns to, I think it was seven and four. Against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, on a Thursday night. And, and watching Browns fans in that stadium stay for like an hour afterwards just so that they could bark at the TV cameras for the, the post-game recording. Like, for Hoyer's $100 million contract that was forthcoming. <laughs> yes, I remember very clearly. Look, so don't, ruin, don't ruin my happy memories here, John. <laughs> it was a similar atmosphere this year against the Jets, right? I mean, the, the, everyone was staying behind. Like, part uh, – it was just it was crazy. Yeah. It's going to – the, the rest of the the rest of the country, the rest of the uh, NFL broadcasting crews, people think they know what this season is going to look like. Wait until training camp. If you want to get a preview, training camp is going to have people lined up standing on, on, on the roofs of the surrounding buildings just to catch a glimpse. Like, Browns fans are going to go ballistic this year. It is going to be uncomfortable – how loud and obnoxious and checked in and rowdy Browns fans are this season. I'm, I'm here for every minute of it. Yeah, we may see one of those personal drones. Uh, you know, people are going to be like hoisting themselves up on trying to get a better look or something. Who knows what's going to happen this year? It's going to be crazy. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. I should look into one of those. They have them, by the way. Yeah. It's a real thing <laughs> for yeah. our seven listeners that care. Seven listeners. If any of our seven listeners are personal drone fans, hit me up. Um, give me, give me the, the deets on where I can go to find the best personal drone. Um, Anything else? So we talked a little bit about Rosen. Um, personally, I kind of expect him to land in Washington. Um, I think as I'm talking about teams that have to get something better in place, the leading two teams for that are New York and D.C. And I just think that Gettleman is going to double down on uh, the decisions he made in the offseason. He's not going to commit to something radical that can blow up in his face. So if, if they draft a guy, I think it'll be with their second first rounder or even in the middle rounds. Uh, and I don't, I don't see them as being that interested in Rosen. I do see DC as being desperate, and I don't think that they're going to want to roll with Keenum and Case McCoy and expect to put butts in the seats. Um, then why did you make that trade? Because you had to do something. I mean, I'd rather have Keenum and Case McCoy than just or uh, and Keenum and Colt McCoy than just Colt McCoy. But it's it's yeah. So now let's to have an off season where we trade for Case fucking Keenum and then have a bidding war for Daniel MFing Jones. That that is just like a cocktail of wonderful Dan Snyder awesomeness. And I, you know what, I'm uh, I've been here for twelve years. I've been in the D.C. area. I used to love it because I got to listen to instead of Cleveland radio, I got to listen to Washington radio. And they uh, were kindred spirits in dysfunction. Yeah, still are. And, oh, yeah. And now we're finally out of that. And so I don't think people really understand how th- this really might happen. Dan is a fucking idiot. And he really might do this thing. And it must be really nice. You know, I was just thinking earlier today. It must be really beautiful to be like the New England Patriots or the Philadelphia Eagles who have morons for divisional opponents that are just willing to submarine their own teams year after year after year to your benefit. Uh, You know, and, and that was us, you know, that's been us for 20 years, you know, where, you know, we're, we're that team that you can count on to do stupid shit to give you two free wins every damn year. And two wins is, you know, the difference between the playoffs and not the playoffs for a team like that, you know? And so it's just amazing to watch uh, teams do these things. I- I'm getting a little third-body experience, you know, I think, 
feeling like I'm out of this, you know, I guess that's, that's a little forward. We're, we're still very close to being dysfunctional Browns, uh, you know, as far as years go. So I, I probably shouldn't get too far ahead of myself. But it is a little bit of a third-body experience watching these other teams float these absolutely terrible ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. you know, that's another, you know, reason that I will be just as interested on Thursday night, uh, regardless of whether True. there are any Browns picks. You're actually selling me on the draft. Like now, I'm actually excited to see where Daniel MFing Jones goes. <laughs> like I want to, I want to absorb. I want to just jump into the Twitter stream of whatever team, you know, trades up for for Daniel Jones or whatever team drafts, you know, whoever the fourth best, like Drew Locke. Like I'm here for Denver drafting Drew Locke and just their fans just being like, "Come on, this again!" <laughs> like, please don't. But yeah, you've, you've you've rolled me, you've rubbed me back in. If uh, before I was. Only a little bit interested in tomorrow's uh, draft bids, but now I'm super excited. Now I'm, I'm back for it. I'm also excited to see where all of, like, this is an incredible draft for uh, defensive linemen. This might be, like, a historic draft for defensive linemen. I can't – I want to see where they all go. Like, I want to see this this year where all those guys land so that three years from now, um, when the one team in the middle that's picking, like, eighth drafts uh, a tight end or drafts uh, DK Metcalf, you could be like, you could have gotten – a future Hall of Famer on the defensive line, but um, instead you you chose to do this instead. And it's like 2014 when the Browns drafted uh, Justin Gilbert amidst a bunch of like future Pro Bowl Hall of Fame wide receivers when they could have had any of them. And they were just like, no, we need the press corner who's never tackled anybody's life that we haven't even met. Like, let's get that guy instead. So so I'm excited for that. Clo- closing thoughts for, for this draft, for, for something that you're excited to see, something that you are nervous about. Yeah, I'll, uh, I mean, excited to see just how it all pans out. I'm excited to see just for for personal validation, kind of where some of the guys that I've been pounding the table for Kalen fall, Saunders. and he's he's obviously one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Michael Dogby's another. Okay. There's, there's there's a couple guys that I that I really like in this draft. So just you know, wanted to see where those guys uh, end up. Yeah, I just. Excited to see what Dorsey does or what he doesn't do um, to build the continue to build this team. I think we're in a really good position. I think this is a, a pivotal a pivotal moment if we really think that we're in a two tier window. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm ready for the roller coaster and looking forward to bringing some some reaction stories and some reaction podcast uh, on Saturday with you guys. Hell yeah, hell yeah, reaction podcast. What about you, John? Like. One player that you're looking forward to following to see where they end up and um, one thing that you are excited about otherwise. Well, I think just because the way this process has rolled out, um, I have found myself much higher on Julian Love, the cornerback from Notre Dame, than most people. Um, So I'm kind of personally invested in seeing whether or not I'm right uh, because I don't have much hope for him ending up on the Browns. Uh, so I'm very interested in, in how the NFL ends up seeing him, and I'll be watching his, his career unfold. I think he's fantastic. Uh, very few other people feel quite the same about that with me. So uh, I'll be interested in that. And then uh, other than that, just um, I, I think that I want to see what John Gruden does with his yeah. three first-round picks. You know, like, So that's like, you know, another reason why uh, I'm totally into Thursday. So I want to see what what comes out of this Mac trade. What what John Gruden does is he going to come out with a haul? Because there are certain hauls that he could realistically leave with, where you're like, that wasn't that bad, yeah. uh, you know. But then 
you know, there's the other part of me that, uh, you know, is, is slightly excited to see him just completely bomb out. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat and enjoying what's happening uh, with the Raiders draft. When a, when a team thinks that they are the smartest ones in the room, when a team kind of defies conventional logic to do crazy shit and trades away a guy like Khalil Mack, trades away a guy like Amari Cooper, I'm, I'm always watching to see what comes next because when you, when you think you are the smartest guy in the room, like crazy stuff ensues. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see how that plays out too. As one last little tease before we jump off here, um, get, get ready for some exciting stuff with this podcast. We have some things coming down the pipeline that, that, that we're very excited about that we've been working very hard on. And uh, we expect that all seven or eight of you that are listening are also going to be very excited to hear. So um, look forward to fun new changes to our podcast. Look forward to new and interesting guests. And most of all, look forward to, to a lot more content. Um, we've missed doing this. It's been a busy off-season. We're getting closer to sort of meaningful off-season stuff happening. Um, and training camp is kind of right around the corner. So, so be hyped. Get excited. Tell us what you like and what you don't like. Talk to us about things you'd like to hear us talk about. And come join us. Come join us on the show. We need, we, need to, we need to see you here. As always, it's been great. John and Mike, I will uh, talk to you relentlessly this weekend. Looking forward to seeing your initial reactions on how this all plays out. Right on, man. Look forward to it, Josh. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting weekend. Can't wait to be talking to you guys as this yeah. thing unfolds. I also can't wait to get your brisket recipe, John, so, um, we, so we all rewrite, eat right during the, during the broadcast. I will get that to you, man. Uh, way more of this lies in the trim uh, than you would imagine. So, Right on. Talk to you soon. You heard it here first, guys. All about the trim. It is all about how good your trip is. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs>